Here's Galchenyuk dancing and scores! And now it's Gallagher. Gallagher stepping in and shoots, scores! Alex Galchenyuk up with a drop, Flakenitz, he's in alone, waiting, scores! Hello, monsieur, ladies and gentlemen, accueillons Galchenyuk! Oh, my stars, what a stop by Carey Price, Robin, Sidney Crosby! This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net with your host, Chris G. Hi everybody, welcome to episode 211 of the Habs 360 podcast. My name is Chris G and you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisG1980. Coming up in today's episode, it is part one of our best of moments of the second half of the season of the Habs 360 podcast. We will replay our discussion with TSN Montreal Bureau reporter John Liu, my discussion from January when I named Carey Price and Shea Weber my losers of the week, and our discussion with TSN's Chris Cuthbert during the Habs Rangers series. If you're a regular listener of the Habs 360 podcast, you know that my co-host Rick and I regularly debated on Michel Therrien and his level of appreciation of his work with Montreal Canadiens. On the January 14th episode, we spoke about Michel Therrien's nomination to be head coach of the Atlantic Division team at the All-Star Game. We started off by listening to Michel Therrien's comments on being nominated. Yeah, you know what, first of all, it's very, it's, it's very flattering uh, to go there, but I don't take it personally. I take it more like um, uh, the hard work of, uh, of our group, of our players, and uh, the hard work of my assistant coaches. Uh, we got a good bunch of leaders. We face adversity to the course uh, the first half. We're missing some players, but the leadership group has been phenomenal. And, um, and that's the way I, I, my mentality is right now because uh, uh, this is a good group. They work hard. And it's just, I'm taking, like I said, really, uh, it's flattering to go there, but I'm looking more at the big picture. And uh, there's a lot of hard work uh, from players and coaches. And, well, after the announcement, like um, anything good that happens, to the Montreal Canadiens or to the coach Michel Therrien, the haters come out, and well, you know they say the usual comments. Thanks, it's thanks to Carey Price, it's thanks to Patretti, it's thanks to Radulov, it's thanks to Weber, it's thanks to this, it's thanks to that. It's pretty much uh, everybody. Everybody else gets credit except for Michel Therrien. And I'm not here saying that uh, Michel Therrien is the best coach in the league because you know he's he's not the best coach. But what drives me crazy is that he never gets any credit. I think his, his appearance in uh, the All-Star game to be the head coach in uh, the Canadian division, which is the Atlantic division, I think it's, it's well-earned for, for Michel Ternier. Rick, what do you think? Well, he, he's there because of the rules. Um, and no other reason than, than because of the rules. Um, if... If we're back to a two-conference um, uh, kind of east against the west kind of he's, he, he, format, he's not there. Um, 
if if we're there if 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 the coaches are started on you know their influence or their what they've done or those kinds of things he's not there he's there because of the rules and i i respect the rules and i respect the change and and i respect the fact that that the canadians are in a position that gives michelle Terrian um you know re- reason to be there uh he's not it's it's you know there were there were fans out there that um, um, Matt Smith our our great social media specialist Matt Smith uh, put out the roster uh, for the Atlantic and so here's the roster and and it includes two Canadians uh, Carrie Bryce and Shea Weber and and he got nasty comment well don't forget about Michelle Terry and he's uh, well, Michelle Terrien isn't on the roster, and he didn't earn it the same way players did. It's it's completely different with coaches. Um, I've, I think you have to look at specific things, specific decisions that that coaches have made that have been good or bad um, to evaluate a coach. And as you've heard me say, and, and there was twice today that I said that I agreed with Michelle Terrien, and he's made good decisions. Um, but I think it is fair to look at, you know, um, Michelle Terry has 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 uh, a lot to be grateful to Carey Price about. When you look at Michelle Terry's record, if you want to talk about his record coming back second run with the Montreal Canadiens, looks pretty good. Take Carey Price out of the mix. Take Price out, and what's Michelle? Terry record what's his record when he has to coach when he has to make decisions when he has to when he doesn't have somebody bailing out his team his winning percentage is 458 that's the same as the Vancouver Canucks this year exactly uh, are we talking about how great the Vancouver Canucks coaching staff is we look at 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 the penalty kill this year, 23rd in the season. We look at every season that, that um, Michelle Terrien has coached in the league, whether it's with Montreal or Pittsburgh or whatever, bottom, absolutely bottom of the league when it comes to shot. Uh, and, and yet he's known as a defensive coach, um, which always is bizarre. So Michelle Terrien has, makes good decisions sometimes, and I'll give him credit when he does. Um, I think probably his best decision, if he was, if the stories are true and if he was in on it, bringing in Kirk Muller, uh, not only for his Kirk Muller's effect on the power play, which is uh, fifth or sixth uh, this season, um, but Kirk Muller's communication with the, the players. That's always been a Achilles heel of Michelle Terrien. He doesn't know how to communicate to players. Um, Gerard Gallant took that that role for a while. Uh, we saw how, how difficult it was when there was no one in that role. Um, now Kirk Muller is in that. And if, if Michelle Terrien played a role in getting Kirk Muller uh, to Montreal, good on him, great decision. And like I say, I'll be the first to congratulate him on good decisions. Um, and and you know, congratulations that you're going to the, the All-Star game. But don't think we should jump up and down and say, well, what a great coach, because it just, the, the facts just don't bear out. 
Um, uh, I think he's a he's a good coach. I'm not saying he's a he's a great coach. Uh, when you say what would Canadians do without Carey Price, you could put that excuse, uh, sorry, that reason, that logic for a lot of teams, and and say the same thing. What would I don't know the Capitals do without Ovechkin? What would the Penguins do without uh, Crosby or Malkin, or both at the same time? What would uh, I don't know the Blackhawks do without Hayes? or with the Blackhawks, or, and then you can go on through the list and go on and on. And for sure, if your best player isn't playing, for sure it has an impact to, um, to the team's performance. This year, Canadians have had a lot of key injuries. They've had Galchenyuk, who missed uh, 18 games. The Canadians had a record of 9, 5, and 4 with, a three, with an average 3.28 goals scored during that uh, time span. Other injuries, Markov, uh, Gallagher's recent injury. I'm going to put in the name of Davne, but I think Davne injuries with the Gauteng at the same time. It's not of a big impact, but it, I think it does have some kind of impact, the fact that they were both out at the same time. Uh, Andrew Shaw was coming back tonight, and Shaw, right before his injury, he was on a good streak. It was, uh, I think it's eight points in his last nine games played. Earlier, we were talking about the third pair of Canadian defense, Craig Pattern, who's had a, a good, yeah, he's had a good season. He's missed a, a lot of time. This year, Canadians, when Carey Price wasn't playing, they had a record of 6-4-2. and two. It's an over uh, record of, uh, it's over 500, so I think it's, it's pretty uh, decent. And Rick, even if you look with the current rules, right, because we can't change the All-Star Game rules, now he's there by default because the tickets with the number of points uh, per game is how they determine it. But let's say that part of the rule was changed. What other coach from the Atlantic Division do you think this year would uh, would would deserve to be the coach of the Atlantic Division? I I just think that that um, I, I just want to go back to to what you said uh, a bit earlier, and you know. I hear that all the time that, oh, well, you know, you can't, you can't say that because uh, what would other teams do without their top player? The other teams win without the top players when they have a superb coach. Blackhawks in their Stanley Cup winning series, uh, a season. Taves, how many, how many games did he miss that year? They won the Stanley Cup with Joel Quindle. Um, uh, remember but uh, when, when pardon me? The Blackhawks are more stacked in talent than the Canadians are. But, but, uh, so Bergevin's at fault for that. And, yes. And Tarion is at fault for not, uh, using the talent he has. Um, you know, we can do individual comparisons of, of the lineups, but, uh, the, the fact is that Kenville gets, gets out of his, players the most Tarion gets the best out of the fourth line players he's not getting uh, who of the top players has has Tarion got uh, when have they had career seasons you look at at just to, to continue with um look at look at the year that Lundqvist missed all those games he was out for half a season uh Vino, was able to keep the, the Rangers at the top. Talbot was, was all of a sudden became this goalie that, that 
had some demand. Have we heard of Talbot since? No, he insulated Talbot. He made changes. Uh, he did. He was he was a great coach. Well, Lundquist was out. Look at last season. Mike Sullivan comes in. Penguins are missing their number one goaltender, and they win they win the Stanley Cup. Malkin was out for a while. Mark Andre Fleury was out, um, and they win with a, an age goaltender. This this impression that that. Um, Michelle Terrian is, is not able to, you know, he doesn't have the elite lineup to work with. There's, there's other coaches out there who are making do with a lot less. Michelle Terrian can get the best out of Dale Weiss and get, get the best out of Ryan White and get the best out of Paul Byron. But he has trouble beyond that. And, and to win a Stanley Cup, you don't, you don't necessarily... Um, you know, need your fourth line players having career seasons. You need your top players, uh, your 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 top six having their best seasons. And Michelle Terrian just wherever he's gone, he hasn't been able to do that. Look, you know, he leaves. Dan Bilesma comes in and is able to with the exact same roster win the Stanley Cup. Um, Terrian is is just he's he's not an elite level coach. But like I said, we're talking about the All-Star Game, so I, I give them kudos for being there and enjoy, enjoy it. Enjoy your team. And remember, you know, at least he said the right things. It's his coaching staff and it's his team that, that gave him this opportunity. And I'm glad that he's, he's acknowledging that and respecting that. All right, so Michelle Perry make it to the All-Star game. I just, uh, Michelle Perry and debate, Rick, I'm pretty sure he's going to come up again at some point during the season. So I think no. So. You think it won't? <laughs> <laughs> Even though he was let go a month after that episode, Rick and I still had debates on Michelle Terry throughout the remainder of the season. We're going to take a short break, but still to come, we will replay discussion that Rick and I had when I named Carey Price and Shea Weber my losers of the week and our discussion with TSN's Chris Cuthbert during the Habs-Rangers series. But coming up next, our recent discussion with TSN's John Liu. Stay with us. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, visit the podcast page on allhabs.net or search Habs 360 on iTunes for our archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs 360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, 
an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode 211, part 1 of our special best of edition of the Habs 360 podcast. I'm Chris Jean, you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisGene1980. On our January 7th episode, TSN's John Liu joined the show to talk about the injury bug that was going through the Montreal Canadiens and to talk about Shea Weber's return to Nashville. John was in the building to witness it and we asked him if Weber's return was a big deal for the locals in Nashville. Oh, well, uh, yeah, the locals were, it was a huge deal in Nashville, uh, uh, you know, Shea Weber's return, um, <laughs> to a far lesser extent, Alexander Radulov, he became uh, a real sidebar on the, uh, on the day, days leading up and then uh, the morning of, but then we all saw the end result, he was a huge catalyst for uh, the Canadians' win, but that day really was uh, largely all about uh, Shea Weber, and rightfully so, he spent 11 years in Nashville, six years as captain, uh, Norris Trophy nominee, all-star, uh, face of the franchise, and a uh, huge member of the community in terms of his uh, charitable endeavors. And so, um, yeah, it was um, the the reception and uh, the um, just the treatment that uh, Weber got uh, from the time that he stepped out on the ice and through the video tribute in the first period until post-game. Um, yeah, the Nashville fans really showed their love for him, the organization too, the, just the appreciation that's... Uh, that all connected to Nashville and the Predators have, have I, was, I said had, but still have, for Shea Weber. It was on full display and very classy and uh, touching video tribute, too. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was really, um, it was quite a sight to behold because normally when a player goes back to his former city, uh, you don't normally see the kind of outpouring of affection for him as, uh, as you did in this case, but uh, that just goes to show how uh, beloved Shea Weber it was and still is in the city of Nashville. And it's been a little over six months since that trade uh, was uh, was announced. How would you evaluate that uh, the big trade so far? Um, I think you'd have to call it an incomplete, quite frankly, just because with uh, with Subban out of the lineup since. Um, Excuse me. Since about uh, roughly mid-December, um, and anticipating that he will be out until probably close to the All-Star game, uh, if not longer, I'm sure that he's really hoping that he can be back for uh, for January 28th weekend in in LA. Um, uh, it, it's not a complete picture. I guess we can only go on uh, the results that we've seen up to the point that PK was injured uh, or that that he suffered that uh, that suspected herniated disc. 
But uh, so far, it's, uh, most of the indicators would say that Montreal Canadiens are winning that trade at this moment in time. You simply look at their record and uh, what Shea Weber has been able to contribute to them. Um, he's really been a tremendous catalyst for the Canadian success this year, a real calming influence in the dressing room, a very positive uh, leader uh, in terms of his uh, his voice and his actions inside and outside the dressing room, on the ice, all those things. So he's contributed uh, in ways that uh, that aren't immediately visible to the uh, public and to the media. Uh, P.K. Subban, is, uh, he's been very much embraced in, in Nashville, very involved in the, um, the, uh, the Vanderbilt Hospital there with, the, uh, you know, the children's, the children's wing at the Vanderbilt Hospital in Nashville. And by all indications, uh, his teammates have embraced him, uh, that he's, uh, uh, he's, he's leading in a different kind of way, and I think we always have to come back to that, that he and Shea Weber are such polar opposites in terms of their style of play, their, their personalities, that it's, uh, it's really, uh, really difficult to kind of um, compare apples and, or- um, apples and apples, because it's not. It's apples and oranges in this case. But uh, from, from the Predators' standpoint, well, they're... they're They've been on the edge or outside of the playoff picture for pretty much the whole season. They uh, they get patches of uh, good play, but then uh, and then not so good play. So they've been very inconsistent, and that's a word that David Poyle and uh, and Peter Laviolette both used when describing their team um, since the uh, since the start of this season is concerned. Uh, Web or excuse me, uh, Subban's numbers um, point wise similar to Weber's, but uh, tremendously uh, different. In terms of of, of um, plus minus, if you want to use that as an indicator, and you know it's largely a reflection of where their teams are at in terms of of uh, where their over where their overall play is. Um, although <laughs> Nashville is a very good possession team, so um, it just seems that there have been parts of the season where Pecorine has not been particularly good, um, and that the team has been inconsistent. And so I think PK's numbers, um, just in, if you're if you want to point to them plus minus as an indicator have been sort of caught in the backwash of what the team's struggles have been. So uh, yeah, we, I think we're going to be um, assessing this as the remainder of the season plays out, but it's going to be tough to assess that simply because we don't know exactly how long P.K. Subban is going to be out of the lineup. And uh, this week there was uh, two more injuries to the Montreal Canadiens. Brendan Gallagher, who is out for at least eight weeks, uh, Paul Byron, we don't have much information on the length that he'll be he'll be out of there. So it, we're pretty much close, John. That me and you might be playing on the fourth line before the end of the week, the way things are going. And oh, I don't think they'd ever get that desperate, Chris. <laughs> uh, there's seven AHL players in the lineup. When I mean AHL players, players that didn't start with the Canadians at the start of the season, so their depth is really getting tested uh, right now. Uh, who needs to step up for the Canadians, at least in the short term? We know Galchenko is coming up, is coming back. Looks like sooner than later, but offensively, who needs to step up for the Canadians, at least in the short term? Well, we've been saying this since the beginning of the season, and it's Thomas Placanitz. Um I don't know how much more you can ask of Max Pacioretty and Alexander Radulov in terms of their their production. Uh, Philip Deneau has been a, a revelation. His play has just gotten better and better as the season has increased and as injuries have set in. He's been given more responsibility, and he's responded in kind with really tremendous performances. So if you're looking at guys that are um, stalwarts or veterans uh, that's, that are relied upon, um, well, Thomas Placanis is still... 
he is still not entirely earning his pay. Uh, the Canadians, they need more production out of him, uh, especially since for the foreseeable future, he's going to be occupying that, uh, that number two center role. Um, although its indications are that Alex Galchenyuk is probably just a few practices away from getting back to, into action. But, uh, but certainly uh, the Canadians need more from Thomas Pekanis. There's just no two ways about it. Um, and uh, from their defensive core, uh, it's, it's hard to really ask for much more than them uh, from them simply because Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie have had such tremendous seasons as well. Nathan Bolia is stepping up his play as he's gotten more responsibilities and more ice time, and we've seen that he seems to up his play when he does get more responsibility. So, uh, so he has already picked up the pace. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we point to Placanis, but at the same time, the team has had a very, very good road trip. You know, seven games, ro- seven-game road trip, and they've picked up the majority of, of points throughout, uh, throughout that stretch. And uh, then they still have two more that they could pick up tonight in Toronto. So really, um, when you take a look at where the Canadians are at this stage of the season, with all these injuries, seven regulars out of the lineup, compared to last season with really one big regular out of the lineup, this is just a vastly improved team. You know, much deeper, much more cohesive, <coughs> in certain ways more professional, uh, more mature. So uh, they've been able to weather this storm in a much better fashion than they did at this time last year. So very positive signs for the Montreal Canadiens. And then um, you look at the standings, and they're still 10 points clear of their nearest pursuer in the Atlantic Division. So uh, really full marks to Michel Therrien and his coaching staff, as well as the players themselves, that they've really been able to... Uh, they they haven't allowed a spate or a flood really of injuries to uh, um, to get them down, or to they haven't used it as an excuse for uh, for poor play because really since Alex Gilchenyuk went down, um, I'd have to take a look at all the games, but in in to my recollection there have not been any blowout losses. At the most, maybe a two or three goal loss, uh, but uh, pretty much every game they're in it, one goal games, win or lose they've uh, they've managed to stay competitive and and hanging in there and so if they can just hold on a little bit longer and they start to get back some of their bodies their key contributors then uh, yeah, this team will be heading into the second half of the season uh, well poised to make a strong push for the playoffs and john if you would have been talking in september october and i would have told you uh, paul barnes paul barnes and get injured he's going to miss a couple of games we probably would have said that big deal but when you went down this week we were we were concerned that we're going to miss Paul Byron. Oh yeah, well, um, and so far it's been uh, well. I think we'll we'll see for certain tonight uh, what impact that will uh, what that will have on the lineup. But uh, you know the fact that he he was knocked out of the uh, of the uh, the Dallas game and the Canadians still won that and. Uh, you know, Max Pacioretty with the overtime winner in two straight games. That just goes to show that this team responds much, much better to adversity. And so, yeah, they've they've had a little bit of a break now, which is was which is good for them to, uh, you know, just sort of catch their breath before ending this road trip. And so, um, we'll see what kind of a Canadians team there is in Toronto tonight with Paul Byron out of the lineup, and well, and Brendan Gallagher too, for that matter. Um, because that Montreal, or excuse me, that Toronto Maple Leafs team is running pretty hot right now, so they're going to be awfully tough competition for the Canadians. But uh, um, yeah, it's it, it's hard to really quantify um, what Paul Byron's loss will mean to the team, simply because he's been uh, really an all-purpose 
like a Swiss Army knife uh, a tool for for Michel Therrien. You know, he plays on the power play. He plays. He, he's on the penalty kill. He's strong five on five, as evidence that he's moved up and down to the lineup and played on all four lines throughout the course of the season. So um, when you take somebody that versatile and that can uh, really uh, step up at any given time and provide a big moment from somebody that you really don't expect that. Then um, yeah, that's uh, it, it. Will have an interesting impact on the team itself, but at the same time, really eager to see what Nikita Sherbach is able to do uh, in his NHL debut tonight because he's been uh, sort of uh, ripening on the vine for quite some time, and it just seems that this season in St. John's he's putting things together and that he's getting close to being NHL ready. I won't say full time because there's a whole lot for him to prove, but uh, it'll be very. Uh, uh, I think there are a lot of people, a lot of Canadians fans and media who are very eager to see what's, uh, what Nikita Sherbach is able to accomplish tonight. Yeah, that's uh, for sure. Him and even somebody like Sven Andrew Gettos, not he's been going back and forth with uh, with St. John's, like it's what, eight or nine times he's been called up and down. So it's good to see another face, a new face, Nikita Sherbach. We're all excited. But if I'm not mistaken, he just came back from injury. Uh, Sherback as well, so I'm not sure like how that's going to impact his uh, his play as well uh, tonight with uh, against the Leafs. Uh, yeah, well, but he's going to be playing on the fourth line though, Chris. He's not going to get a lot of ice time. So basically, true. for him, it's it's uh, for him, it's basically playing a simple game, being responsible, which is one of the buzzwords of Michel Therrien. That's what he wants from all his players, but especially his young players. Um, as they're trying to make their way into the lineup. So, I mean, you're not people who are expecting um, some sort of miracle debut from Nikita Sherback. Well, they're looking in the wrong place just because he's not going to get a lot of ice time along with Mike McCarron, and I believe Bobby Farnham is on the left wing for that fourth line. Um, And uh, so they're they're going to get spot duty, and the main thing is that they just need to play smart, simple hockey and be responsible and... If they do get chances in transition or down low in the cycle, uh, that see that's the thing is that I don't know enough about Bobby Farnham's game. We know what Nikita Sherback's about. So what kind of game that line plays with McCarron in the middle is, uh, I think, undetermined at this point. So, um, but it's still it's always uh, it's always fun to see a high caliber prospect, a guy who was picked in the first round, get his first chance in the bigs, especially on a stage like the Air Canada Center on a Saturday night. And uh, so hopefully uh, he has he enjoys the experience and it's a positive one for him. And uh, one last question, John, before we let you go. Uh, earlier this week, Canadians announced a two-year contract extension with uh, goaltender Al Montoya. Uh, in the press conference, Mark Bergevin said it had nothing to do with the uh, with the expansion draft. Do you believe that? Well, it helps. That certainly wouldn't have been the first priority in extending Al Montoya. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that Al Montoya has just been a tremendous fit in this dressing room. Uh, when you take a look at the guys that have come through the, uh, since Carey Price became the best goalie in the world, uh, who the backups have been, they all have to follow a certain template, and that's a guy that absolutely does not have an ambition to take Carey Price's job. You know, because anybody that comes to Montreal that's thinking that, that's the wrong franchise to be, uh, especially as a free agent, to be signing on with. You're going to, in Montreal, the backup is only going to play at the most, about 20, 20 to 25 games. And so that individual is going to have to be sharp. He's going to have to be a really good teammate. He's going to have to be ready when his time comes. 
Uh, nobody anticipates anticipated what Mike Condon had to do last year, but um, the fact of the matter is that Al Montoya is a very veteran. Uh, he's a very experienced veteran. He's a tremendous personality, extremely sunny and positive personality that uh, that is well liked in the dressing room and has been since the since the moment he walked in there. So uh, you can just see that all the components that Mark Bergevin is assembling, they all one of the uh, one of the, the defining characteristics of all these players, whether it be Andrew Shaw or Shea Weber or Al Montoya or Alexander Radulov, is that these guys are all good in the dressing room. They're good teammates. They're character individuals. And I know a lot of people that follow the Canadians are tired of hearing Mark Bergevin use the character word, but it's so true. It's it's such a such a crucial and important ca- or, um, characteristic for any individual as a especially in a, in a in an NHL dressing room to exhibit uh, that's you know he's really he's really finding guys that fit a mold uh, extremely well and Al Montoya is just another one of those guys in addition to the fact that he's had good starts he's played very well until the uh, until the disaster in Columbus and there were a couple of games after that where he wasn't exact he wasn't at his best Al Montoya has given the Canadians everything they could have asked for and he's fit in very well so yeah for all those reasons that's that's uh, that that's why the Canadians were comfortable extending him in mid-season as opposed to waiting until the end of this season. Um, but the fact that logistically this off-season is going to be one like uh, a, I, I'm not I'm not going to say like like never before or in the future because once there is another expansion, uh, they're going to go through this process again. But certainly it does help that the Canadians do have a goaltender that they can expose in the expansion draft and it won't have to be Carey Price. Yeah, and I know for, for sure a couple of weeks ago we tried going through the exercise of who the Canadians would protect, and it gets tricky. It's some tough decisions need to be made. Then the Canadians, oh, for sure, yeah. Every team, every team's going to have those 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 difficult decisions to make, and I, and that's just another reason why I I don't think that Alexander Radulov is going to have a contract signed before the end of this season. Um, simply because if he does sign an extension, yet there's another player that they're going to have to protect. But if the willingness is there for him to uh, sign an extension with Montreal, I believe that will go to the days just prior to July 1st when the team has that exclusivity window to negotiate with their pending free agents, and that something will get done then. And yeah. uh, then once the, you know, after the expansion draft is done. So uh, Because the thing is that it, there isn't really a, a, a significant danger for a team coming out of the woodwork unless they're going to give like max money in term to a UFA, but it, you know, hard to believe that anybody will do that for Alexander Radulov, regardless of how good a season he has here, because he's 31, right? Um, And uh, he's had one good year, or half a year so far, and all the indications are that he should be able to continue that. Again, he's been a tremendous fit for the Canadians. And um, so, uh, yeah, for all those reasons, uh, plus the fact that he just loves it in Montreal, um, he really wanted to come back to Quebec and to play for the Canadians. So uh, there's every reason to believe that... um, Logistically, they they would probably maneuver to make it fit, and that's Montreal would probably be his uh, first and foremost uh, uh, destination uh, for where he'd play hockey next season. And as we heard John just mention, whether Alex Radulov resigns the Canadians and the expansion draft will both be major storylines during the off season. We're going to take a short break, but coming up next, Carey Price and Shea Weber were named. My Losers of the Week, and a discussion with TSN's Chris Cuthbert. 
Stay with us. This is the Habs 360 podcast featured on nohabs.net. Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. Hams360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode 211, part one of our special best of edition of the Habs 360 podcast. I'm Chris G, and you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisG1980. During every podcast, Rick and I choose a winner and loser of the week of the last seven days related to the Montreal Canadiens. On the February 11th episode, our Valentine's Day edition, Rick and I had on my losers of the week. And now it's time for this week's winners and losers on Habs 360. It's- it's a surprise that uh, he's going to make a second appearance as a loser of the week, and the second player is going to make his uh, debut, his first time to be nominated as loser of the week. And while we mentioned earlier that uh, there's players like Andrew Schrant, Thomas Plekanec, who stepped up after they were being uh, called out here on the Habs 360 podcast. So, guys, listen up. You know, you guys are going to have to step up your, your game. And I'm talking about Carey Price and Shea Weber. And, well, Canadians, they went through a four-game losing streak. Everybody was looking at uh, Michel Therrien. They've been asking for his, uh, no, for his firing. And, well, I'm not saying Michel Therrien definitely is, uh, is part of the blame, right? That the Canadians, uh, the struggles. But I think there's more to that as well. I'm looking at the leaders. I was looking at, uh, prior to the game against Arizona, I was looking at guys like Max Pacioretty, 
I was looking at players like uh, Carey Price. I was looking at somebody like Shea Weber. If if Gallagher would have been playing, I, I would have been looking at him as well to see what are they going to do. And well, when we look at uh, Carey Price, uh, the game against the Arizona Coyotes, it wasn't a good game. He didn't seem focused. Uh, a couple of bad goals. And well, he definitely didn't, uh, he didn't step up. Shea Weber against Arizona, you know, I think he was decent. And, but Shea Weber, when, he, when the Canadians got him, in the, in, I'll say in the most of the season, you were able to feel his presence, his physical play. He was scoring on the power play. And while he was also supposed to be brought in to help with the leadership, there was a lot of talk of Canadians should give him the, the C. But where was he during the street? Where was his presence? I, I didn't see his presence much. Carey Price, uh, they say that he doesn't talk a lot in the dressing room, that he leads by uh, with the way that he plays on the ice. Where How has he been playing? Let's even talk about the four last starts, or let's talk about since, uh, I don't know, like uh, since the beginning of January. He hasn't been in his, in his A game. So if he if he doesn't talk and he's not leading with uh, with his play, is he doing a good job right now as we speak as a leader when the Canadians need uh, some leadership? If you look at Carey Price, his last four starts, he has a record of one and three. His goals against average is uh, over uh, over three goals, and he has an eight seventy five save percentage. Those aren't good numbers. So, I think, I, and we're going to talk about Michel Therrien in our next uh, segment as well, because like I said, uh, he, Michel Therrien does deserve uh, blame as well for the Canadians and their recent performance as well. But we should stop giving 100% of the blame to Michel Therrien and look at players like uh, with Carey Price and Shea Weber. Look at what Max Pacioretty did against Arizona. Look how good he played. He was the best player on the ice uh, for, for both teams combined. And and look what he did. He led the Canadians to to a victory. And the way that Carey Price played on Thursday, if the Canadians, if the goalies would have been switched around, I think this game could have been a blowout in favor of the Canadians. So for for those reasons, this week I'm naming Carey Price and Shea Weber's as my losers of the week. Rick, the floor is yours. All right. Okay, I just, you know all that love that I had early? I, I just lost that love and feeling completely. Just going to advise the people in the booth that we're going to go over this segment because I have a couple things to say. Let, let's, let's, let's look at, you, you mentioned the, the game on uh, Thursday night against the Coyotes. Uh, early goal by Pacioretty, then the follow-up by, by Markov. Canadians in control, 2-0, into the second period. What turned that game? Oh, must have been, given the criticism, must have been an enormous gaffe by Carey Price. Oh, my God. No. 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 Turned the game. What turned the momentum? 
what caused the three goals in 221 or whatever it was by the Coyotes? It was a stupid penalty by Andrew Shaw. Again, it was a stupid penalty in the offense, an offensive zone hook on Ekman Larson by Andrew Shaw. Then, stupid penalty number two by, oh, the God, Philip Deneau, everyone who's singing his praises this season. What an awful penalty by Philip Deneau. What happens? Dvorak scores on the power play. Fifteen seconds later, Byron's trip on Kraus. Then the Domi goal. Where was every, Price was all alone. He made the first save. He made the second save. The people are hammering, hammering away. Where was the team? Oh, it's Carey Price's fault. Right. Then Goligoski gets a shorthanded goal. Three goals. Essentially started the momentum flipped on stupid penalties. But you're going to blame Carey Price on that. Then later, there was the miscommunication with Markov. Which the the coach Michelle Therrien said, hey, you know, he he lost the puck on. You talking about bad goals? He 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 lost track of the puck on one miscommunication with Markov on the second. But you're going to blame Carey Price. Let's last week we looked at at the regulation losses. Let's update this regulation losses in the calendar year 2017 games. Canadians have lost. In those eight games, regulation losses, they have scored seven goals. That's .875 goals per game. On average, they are taking 21 shots per game in those eight games. Eight regulation losses, less than a goal a game, 21 shots a game. What, where's Carey Price to blame in that? How would Carey Price uh, have changed the outcome of those games? In those regula- those are the regulation losses in 2017. How, do, how, how does that, how does Carey Price being better improve those games? Now, th- this is nonsense. The, the kinds of things, you know, I've been going from arena to arena to arena. Talk to a lot of NHL scouts. You know what I haven't heard? Not once. What's wrong with Carey Price? Haven't heard that once. You know what I have heard from NHL scouts? What's all this crazy talk in Montreal? What's all this harsh criticism of Carey Price? What's going on? Are fans crazy? Is, is the mainstream media going crazy? No, they're looking for... The Tony Marineros and the other idiots of the world are looking for trying to stir controversy, trying to, uh, ratings are so poor, they're trying to grasp for, for those uh, low information uh, listeners. The more you listen to, to TSN 690, the stupider you get as a Habs fan. I'm convinced of that. And we all know, uh, who's the biggest Yaroslav Halak fan in the world? Tony Marinero has always been. Well, you know what? Yaroslav Halak got a shutout on Friday night. I'm sure, Kerry, I'm sure that Tony was pretty excited about that. Yeah. Yaroslav Halak faced 42 shots, and he got a shutout for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. 
in a goalie battle against Malcolm Subban and the Providence Bruins. So listen, all of those, uh, those of you who want to criticize Kerry, and I've heard some, no, I've heard some nonsense. Kerry needs glasses. Kerry needs more sleep because of the baby. Kerry's no better than Jose Theodore. That's nonsense. We should trade uh, Nate Bouillou for, for Marc-Andre Fleury because we need a goal tech. Marc-Andre Fleury, that's insane. Well, for all of you that are so enamored with uh, Yaroslav Halak, head down to the Webster Bank Arena in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Pack up, leave your Habs jerseys behind, and become fans of the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, and you, you'll have all the Yaroslav Halak that you want. I'm just, I'm, I'm sick of this, this absolute unwarranted criticism of Carey Price and the absolute nonsense that people are trying to outdo themselves in criticizing Carey Price. The reason, you, you mentioned the cushion that the Canadians have in the standings. You mentioned it. The Canadians have been playing, what, 500 for a long, for, for months now. What is the reason that they have a cushion? The reason is Carey Price and the, the start that he had and the, the, the excellent start that he gave the team in October. That's the only reason they're sitting in a comfortable playoff position right now is Carey Price. So get off his back. Lots of passion in that segment, as you regularly hear on our episodes. Well, the Canadians faced the New York Rangers in the playoffs and ended up losing the series in six games. TSN's Chris Cuthbert joined us to talk about the Habs-Rangers series on the April 22nd episode, which was right before game number 6. And we started off by asking him how the atmosphere was at the Bell Center for game number 5, in which he was in the building to call the game for NBC Sports. Uh, spectacular. Uh, I was kidding that, it, that you could call it the Decibel Center because of, uh, of the atmosphere, and uh, unfortunately the atmosphere was a lot better at the start than uh, at the end for obvious reasons, but... Uh, uh, you know, it, it, it for me, it's it's not a playoff season unless I do get uh, a game in Montreal because it is special. And it, it wasn't your first game. We'll keep it short term this year in the playoffs. How did how did it compare to other games that you've called uh, this season in the playoffs? Well, I, I've been in uh, three different rinks in the postseason and uh, uh, been pretty lucky to be involved in some electric atmospheres. Uh, Columbus was good. Uh, especially when they were ahead in their game against uh, Pittsburgh. I did the overtime uh, game that the Penguins won uh, in Game 3, and I've done a couple of the Leaf games, and uh, the Air Canada Centre has been uh, a lot different this year than it's been probably since they opened the building, or at least uh, since, uh, 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 you know, the last couple of playoff rounds. This is a a different team and a different atmosphere in Toronto, but... uh, there is, again, something about doing a playoff game in Montreal. Perfect. So now let's go back to the series between the Canadians and the Rangers. Uh, the Rangers are up 3-2, to two, must win for the, the Canadians. And the, I'll ask you the same question that we're asking our listeners and our followers on social media. Uh, what do the Canadians have to do to come back and win the series? Well, for me, uh, I... I don't think they have to change a whole lot to what I saw for at least the first 40 minutes uh, the other night. I was struck by the Canadian speed and yet physicality at the same time. I thought they were the better team for 40 minutes and maybe a little bit more. 
uh, especially in the first period. Um, but they they let the Rangers off the hook. They outplayed them badly and, and didn't build a lead. And uh, I guess obviously they've got to cash in on their chances. Uh, uh, they need uh, they they need more goal production. Uh, I know everybody's looking at the captain, and and uh, I'd be looking there too. Um, but when I went into the game, and I, I still feel the same way that uh, that uh, when you're playing a team that's playing well defensively with a hot goaltender, that you, uh, you you might need a little help from the back end too, and maybe the fourth guy in the rush to uh, to help uh, generate chances. And uh, we all know Shea Weber can shoot the puck harder than anybody, but. Are there some defensemen that can jump up in the rush, uh, create the odd man situation, uh, kind of like Brady Shea did on uh, on the game tying goal for the Rangers? And while you talk about, let's say, the Canadians defensemen, uh, today we found out during practice that uh, Nathan Beaulieu will be a healthy scratch tonight. Uh, a lot of criticism towards him. Do you think that's that's fair? Well, obviously, Claude Julien thinks it's fair or he wouldn't be making that change. Uh, I, I think he's one of those guys that uh, that does get, uh, he's kind of a flashpoint of criticism. Um, at his best, he's the kind of guy I'm talking about that can be a positive. Uh, but at the same time, and, and, and I'm looking for defensemen to jump in, but you've got to do it at the right time. You can't, you can't get caught the other way. And it, it's kind of a team aspect where... Uh, if your defensemen are jumping or sealing the wall or, or moving in like like Shea did, you you better have support, and uh, that's why I'm I'm not always eager to to blame the defenseman. But I know uh, I I know Nathan's uh, uh, been the source of some criticism this year, and uh, and uh, we'll see if uh, we'll see if that change helps. Hi, Chris. It's Rick Stevens, All Habs Hockey Magazine. Um, before the season, uh, before the series began, we heard the narratives that you know the Canadians uh, had had success during the regular season. We heard that Henrik Lundqvist couldn't win at the Bell Center. We, you know, even uh, Julian has a better postseason record than Vigneault. Uh, something's happened there. Do you sense now that that the a growing confidence throughout the series uh, by the Rangers, or was that never an issue for them at all? Well, I, I, you know, the Rangers, uh, uh, I guess, like most teams, seem to uh, seem to have had a roller coaster year. I, I did a lot of Ranger games this year, and, uh, and and for most of the year, I saw a team that was very good, that played with speed, uh, that was uh, a high-scoring team. Uh, the one issue I saw was that Henrik Lundqvist was not having a, a terrific year. In fact, Antti Ranta took over for a. Uh, for a point in the season when when I started doing a few of their games in uh, in late January early February um, I kind of thought that the Rangers issues late in the year were they didn't have anything to play for and they were probably way too comfortable being in fourth place in the in the metro and and instead of running the gauntlet in in on that side of the the bracket uh, they probably did prefer to play uh, Montreal or Ottawa or Boston on the other side, and and uh, uh, but I, I think the biggest difference now than than maybe a month or two ago is is the real Henrik Lundqvist has shown up and uh, um, and he's playing his best of the season and uh, and I think Rick Nash is playing the best uh, that he's played all season too. Not to suggest he didn't have a great year, but uh, um, I think we're getting the best of Nash at the best time. 
Uh, we heard uh, Claude Julien, um, maybe in a bit of gamesmanship, say uh, the pressure is all on the Rangers to close in, in game six. Uh, are you buying that? Uh, are, are the, do you think the players are buying that from uh, Claude Julien? Well, you know, coaches try anything they can, they can work. Uh, to me, if, if you're playing a game and if you don't win, you're going home. There's, there's plenty of pressure. And, 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 you know, at this, this close to the end of a series, sure, both teams have, uh, have uh, certain concerns. Uh, you, you know there's nobody on the New York Rangers that wants to uh, go back to the Bell Center for Game 7. Nevertheless, um, there might be a little... Uh, a little more comfort. So, actually, I turn the tables on Claude Julian and say maybe if the Rangers feel a little pressure, that's that's a better thing because uh, the Rangers are going to uh, to give it their uh, you know their best shot tonight. Uh, because uh, uh, if you're thinking that the Rangers are comfortable knowing they've got two chances, then uh, maybe you wouldn't see their best tonight. So, uh, uh, I, I'm not big on that. I know Mike Babcock left Washington last night, telling everybody that works at the uh, Verizon Center that he'd see them in a couple of days. Uh, that's great bravado, and you, 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 you're trying to send a positive message, but uh, it doesn't change that uh, you're down 3-2 in the series. And, uh, Chris, uh, tonight one of the changes in the Canadians' lineup is that uh, Andrew Shaw, he's out with an upper body injury uh, day to day, so he won't be in the lineup. Uh, how, what kind of an impact do you think this will have to the Canadians missing a player like Andrew Shaw? Well, I know Shaw hasn't uh, hasn't provided any offense in this series yet, but uh, I think he is an important guy. I think he, uh, I, I thought Brendan Gallagher was as good as any Canadian in uh, in in Game Five, and and Shaw's that kind of player. Uh, you know, he's a guy that uh, uh, on a third line provides um, uh, a lot of different aspects to to help a team, and 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 he can move it up and down the lineup. So, so I. You know, I, I, I think it uh, I, I think it's a tough loss for the Canadians. I, I guess uh, Flynn goes in, and you might get a little more speed or whatever. But uh, um, but in a in a game where you're facing elimination, I, I'd probably rather have a guy that's uh, that's been on a couple of Stanley Cup teams and's been through the through this kind of thing before. The last time these two teams met uh, in a playoff series was 2014, um, the Eastern Conference Final. Uh, Rangers won that uh, four to two uh, tonight. If the Rangers win that, it's the same. It's the same result. Um, but back in 2014, Carey Price played just one game and was out with that uh, knee injury. Uh, 2017 was supposed to be different. It was supposed to be different, given that Carey Price was um, uh, healthy and in the lineup. What's in the Canadians uh, per, for the Canadians' perspective? What's gone wrong? Well, again, there you know it's it's a it's a lack of offense. It's nothing. I mean, Carey Price went into the last game with I mean the save percentages for both Lundqvist and Price were were off the charts. They're playing well enough defensively. I mean, the penalty kill has been perfect. Uh, they've had more uh, power play goals than uh, than the Rangers in the series. Uh, but again, I mean, they run they've run into a hot goaltender and they they haven't taken advantage of their chances yet. So. Uh, the big guns, the guys that are paid to score, um, are, are going to have to change the narrative tonight. And uh, uh, you know, I, it, it, uh, it, I think the Rangers are a team that uh, we have to uh, we have to realize has been 
uh, as successful as any team that hasn't won the cup in the last five years. Uh, uh, they've, they've played a lot of playoff games. They've played a lot of important games. They've won a lot of them. Um, and they've had their hearts broken a little bit at the end, uh, you know, with a, with a Stanley Cup loss and a conference final loss in the last two of the last three years. So, uh, um, you know, it's still a good team, and it's, it's been through a lot. And uh, uh, i got to tell you, this was, for me, the toughest series to, to predict. I, I really, when I looked at it and, and tried to go through the strengths and weaknesses of both teams, I, it was the one series where I, I, I just didn't think it, there, was, there was much between these two teams. And, and based on what I've seen in five games and what I saw in, in game five uh, firsthand, I, I'm, I'm sticking to that. Well, Chris Cuthbert was right that there wasn't much that separated these two teams, but the Canadians ended up on the losing side of the series. All right, that will do it for this special best of edition of the Habs 360 podcast. Episode 212 will be part two of our best of series. I will feature our discussions with Douglas Gallivan from CBC TV Montreal and Jeremy Filosa from 98.5 FM Sports. My name is Chris G. You can follow me on Twitter at ChrisG1980. And we'll talk to you again during our next episode. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.